Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can bring every need, every, no matter how small it is, to you and you hear us. Thank you that you're with us this morning. Thank you for your word that brings light and gives us direction in our lives. We invite your Holy Spirit to work through me <clears throat> and in all of our hearts as we look at your word this morning to see what's on your heart. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Good morning, church. My name's Barrett. I'm uh, one of the pastors here at ICC. No, I'm not. I'm not Barrett. Do I look like Barrett? No, I don't. I'm David, and my wife Vicki and I help serve in the global missions here at ICC. We're glad you're here. It's Labor Day weekend. That means you didn't have a boat or maybe uh, an invitation to the lake or a cabin. I don't either. I took the weekend to rest. It's been great. And we're going to be looking at um, something that's very special in my heart, but I believe it really needs to be special on all of our hearts. I'm calling it Lesson One because I want everybody to know I hope to be back. I want to be able to teach again. So this is my way of guaranteeing. This is Lesson One, and there are several lessons. I call them foundational lessons in understanding who God is and His heart for the world. I'm saying, I call it the global thread, the thread throughout Scripture. It's the biblical aspect of missions. So let's, I'm gonna, let's go to the next slide. So I have a question, true or false. Global missions is mainly for Christians with a particular calling to a missionary vocation. False. It's something on God's heart, therefore it's on all of our hearts. And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. It's not just, oh, I'm just a guy working here. I'm not a missionary going overseas. So therefore, global missions should not be on my radar. That's a negative, okay? All right, next slide here. Basically, when did global missions begin is a good question. Did it begin in the New Testament? Did it begin, begin in uh, Matthew 28 when Jesus sent out the 12? Or maybe in Acts 1 when he said, go to all the nations, the ends of the earth. What about the Old Testament? Is there anything to do with missions? Is there anything to do with God's heart for the nations? You know, when I was in high school, I had this misconception that somehow God loved Israel so much that it was just his little pet country. And he just loved this nation. And he just said, I don't care about the rest of the world. And I got that real wrong, and I'm going to show you how. Next slide. So I'm going to, basically, our God is a missionary God, is what I've seen in, throughout the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation. What is a missionary? Taking the initiative, God came down from heaven, his culture, his land, and he came to Bethlehem. He came to this earth to learn a language and to walk among us and be incarnated among us. That's missionary work. And so God, his heart is missions because that's who he is. Next slide. So I'm going to tell you about a life-changing revelation I had. I was about 19 years old. I was living in London for a summer, reaching out to people from the Middle East. And I decided just to start reading through the Bible, straight in Genesis, found my way to Exodus. And what I read here in the next slide Exodus 9, I came to this passage, and this, this sort of changed my life. Then the Lord said to Moses, rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, let my people go that they may serve me. 
For this time I will send all my plagues on you and your servants and your people. So God is basically telling Moses what to tell Pharaoh. I am coming to you and I'm going to do all these plagues upon you. Why? So that you may know that there is no one like me in all the earth. See, Pharaoh has said, I've, I've got, we've got gods here. We've got plenty of gods. I've never really heard of this Yahweh. Who is this God? <laughs> and it's as if God had said, thank you for the setup. I'd like to introduce myself to you, your people, <clears throat> the people that, I'm going, that I've chosen, and to all the world. So God is basically saying, this is a stage for me to introduce who I am. It's a wonderful opportunity. And that just sort of showed me right there, wait a minute, this phrase right here, it wasn't just a local thing. This wasn't just plagues in Egypt. And I'm going to show Egypt, and that's all that really matters. What God was saying was, no, no, I want to introduce myself to the whole world. And the word is going to pass, and we're going to look at that. Next. For if by now, God continues, for if by now I had put forth my hand and struck you, Pharaoh, and your people with pestilence, you would then have been cut off from the earth. God is saying, I could have wiped you out. I could have taken you out. I didn't need these plagues. I didn't need to go on for six months and all this stuff. I could have taken you out. But I have a purpose for you. Because I want to introduce myself to the whole world. So I'm setting up a real big drama here. He said, but indeed, for this cause, I have allowed you to remain. You think you're the great Pharaoh, the greatest nation, empire on the earth. No, I've allowed you to remain in order to show you my power and in order to proclaim my name through all the earth. You see, I'm going to do things here that they're going to be talking about to the ends of the earth. I'm going to do things here so that my people Israel know who I am and you know who I am. Next slide. So there's a global thread throughout Scripture. And I'm going to show you because we're going to touch through a lot of different passages. And we're going to go try to go as fast as we can because I want you to see that God's heart for the nations began in Genesis and it goes all the way to Revelation. And it's a thread like this thread that holds this book together. It ties it all together. And you may say, wait a minute, is that the theme of the Bible? I thought the theme of the Bible is Jesus Christ, the, the gospel, that Jesus has come to die on the cross for our sins. Yes, that is the theme. But let's finish it. He came to be the salvation for the whole world, to all the nations. God has never just been interested in one particular group. And so this is what ties the whole scriptures together. Let's go to the next one. So let's start right in Genesis. The Lord said to Abraham, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you shall be a blessing. So I, here's God selecting this man to be this great nation. And I'm going to bless you. It's going to be amazing the way I'm going to bless you. Why, though? Right at the very beginning, God wants it to be very clear that his purpose in blessing them, blessing Abraham and his people, is that he says it right here, in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. And I tell you, next slide, this passage right here is the most unifying verses in the whole Bible, encapsulating the whole of God's purpose. Because what he's saying to Abraham, and he's making it very clear to the people of Israel, I've selected you 
to be this special nation so that you, so that you, they, I would bless you so much that the whole world would learn about me. I'm about making my name known in all the world. This is not just for you. And that's very important to remember because by the time we get to the New Testament, what do we have all the disciples doing? Man, I'm so glad Jesus is here. Let's get Israel back number one again. I've got my knife, I'm sharpening it up, and I'm gonna, I've already got the Roman I want to kill right now. And Jesus is here to set up this kingdom. And, and, and they missed it. They missed the whole point, is that Israel's purpose was to be a light to the nations. Next. Let's look in Exodus here. But on that day I will set apart the land of Goshen, where my people dwell, so that no swarms of flies shall be there. That you, Egypt, why, why, is, he doing, why is he separating this? Making it very clear. Wow, no flies here. Flies right over there. Every plague was separate like that. What's he doing? Is that Israel supposed to say, we're special. We're his pet. We're his favorite. He loves us. No, 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 Israel, look at this. That you, Egypt, may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. And he's going to say it again so that the whole world may know. Next passage. The Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out of the land in haste. So this is when they're leaving Egypt. Get out of here. Remember, after all the plagues, they said, go on. But look at this. A mixed multitude also went up with them. And what that is, is it's clearly the, some of the Egyptians said, we have gods here. We worship the sun, the moon, the Nile. But what we've learned about your God, Yahweh, he has power over those. He has power over all of creation and nature. So your God seems to be the big one, the one with all the power. So you know what? Is there any room in your wagon for me? I think we're going to come with you. I think we want to follow you and your God. That's what's going on here. So already we're seeing what God's plan is. I'm selecting a people to be a blessing to the nations. Now, if one of the Israelites said, what are we doing here with these Egyptians? Get, there's no room in our wagon. No, they're missing it. This is what God is doing. He wants them to be drawn to himself. Next passage. In Exodus again, and the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'm making a covenant. And before all your people, I will do marvels, such as have not been created in all the earth or in any nation. This is before they went into the land of Canaan. We're, they're letting them know. God is letting them know, when you go live amongst these people, I'm going to do these amazing things. And all the people among whom you are shall see the work of Yahweh for it is an awesome thing that I will do with them. So you see, this is God's way of displaying who he is through Israel and this covenant that he's making for them to be special has a purpose, and that is to be a blessing. Next passage. Let's jump over to Leviticus. I'm just going to pop through the different books of the Bible here, okay? The stranger who sojourns with you, the stranger, the foreigner, one of these foreigners that joins in with you, shall be to you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. Boy, boy did the Israelites need to be repeating that one. They needed to put that one on their phone, didn't they, every day? 
because I'm sure they were always looking, what are these foreigners doing here? Why are these guys among us? What's that guy cooking? I've never smelled anything like that. Hey, 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 I'm drawing the world to me. My heart has been for the nations. You're not supposed to make this nation just about you. And so right here at the beginning, we see there's no room for prejudice here, is there? No room for racism. All right, next passage. Deuteronomy. The Lord will establish you as a people holy to himself, a special people, as he has sworn to you, if you keep these commandments. And what was the purpose of the law and these commandments? To show the world what God is like. You shall be holy because I am holy. I want the world to know who I am. So you will keep these laws. And if you keep these laws, all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by my name, by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. They will see that you always win the battles. You are special. Tell us about it. And the Lord will make you abound in prosperity. What kind of prosperity? In the fruit of your womb and in the fruit of your livestock and in the fruit of your ground. And the list goes on and on. So this looks like material blessing. It is. That's what's going on in the Old Testament. A complete material, physical blessing of the people of Israel was a clear sign that they were obeying the law. Now, we know in the New Testament, when we obey God's Word, we have spiritual blessing. It's not about this kind of physical blessing. But in the Old Testament, God was basically saying, I'm going to bless you so much, you're going to win every battle, everything's going to go great, your crops are always going to make, you're going to be so abundantly rich, what's going to happen? The whole world is going to look and say, tell, uh, do tell. What is y'all's secret? Oh, it's not us, is what they're going to say. It has nothing to do with us. It's God, Yahweh, God of the universe, big one. He chose us to bless us so that we may be a blessing to the world. That's what they're supposed to say. But we know the Israelites kind of took it to themselves and said, we're special. What an amazing picture here of being basically the apple of God's eye. Special, but for what purpose? Next, pres- next passage. Joshua, remember when he sent the spies to Jericho? Go view the land. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute. His name was Rahab and lodged there. Before the men lay down, she, Rahab, came up to them on the roof and said, Hey, guys, <laughs> just want you to know, we know who you are. We've heard about you. I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. She's saying, we've heard about it. Look at this, guys. No internet, no texting, no news program. And the word got from Egypt all the way to Jericho. This is God's plan. I want the whole world to hear about what I did in Egypt. This is when God begins to do this great display of himself. And she's saying, I've already heard about you. For we have heard that the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. We've already heard about it. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted. 
and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. And listen to what she's saying. She's saying, we know there's something special about you. We've got gods here. We've got one made of wood over here. We've got one made of stone over here. But your God seems to be the big one. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. You see what God is doing. The word is passing on about who he is. So God's plan is working here. Next passage. Joshua says, For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. There's the phrase. And I began to highlight this phrase in my Bible as I began to read. I was looking for this phrase about the nations. So that all the world may know. That is throughout the whole Bible. So that all the world may know that I am the Lord, that I am mighty, that I am great that I'm a God of mercy, that I'm a God of compassion. And so you see what God is doing, displaying himself through these acts, through this, this people. Next passage. First Samuel, David said to the Philistine, Goliath, you came to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. See, David has got the right perspective. I'm going to show you some high points here in the Old Testament when those who really got it. And that's what we want to do this morning. I want you to get it. I want you to get what's on God's heart. So David comes out here, and he could be thinking, this is a great opportunity for my resume. You see, I'm planning to be king, and this one I'm going to put in my pocket here. No. Look at what David is saying. No, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. You say, how can you be so sure? Well, actually he brought five rocks. You know, he wasn't sure the first one would hit, right? But he said, the Lord will deliver you. But look at his perspective. Why will the Lord deliver this giant in my hand? Sometimes we read the story of David, and it's sort of like, you know, dare to be a David. You too be a David. Who's your giant? Okay. Let's get the right hero in the story. David's got the right hero. Look, the Lord, this day the Lord will deliver you in my hand that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Boy, David got it. Guys, do you get it? Everything is about that. Every time, when David prayed, Lord, I pray that I can hit this guy right square. You know, I'm kind of nervous. All these guys are looking at me. What do you do every day in your life? What do we do in our lives when we're in a tough spot and we do have a Goliath in our lives? What's your prayer? Is your prayer focused on, please deliver me? <laughs> you love me, don't you? Let's pray the way David prays. I pray that you would deliver me so that they would know who you are and that your name would be praised. Next passage. First Kings. Now this is the big benediction of the temple, and Solomon is there. And you can, he, all these animals are being sacrificed, and his dad's songs are being sung. It's a glorious day. The Lord our God be with us as he was with our fathers. May he not leave us or forsake us, that he may incline our hearts to him. He's praying that God would empower them to be obedient to the law to walk in all his ways, 
to keep his commandments, his statutes, and his rules. Why, Solomon? Well, so that the blessing would stay upon us. Actually, I want a happy life. That's not what he's praying. Solomon got it. Y'all have read a lot about Solomon. There were times he didn't get it. He got it here. He's dead square on. He figured out what his dad was praying and talking about. Because he says, make us obedient, Lord. Why? So that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God and that there is no other like him. See, they, they lived amongst polytheism where there were so many different gods. And when Yahweh shows up, you've got Pharaoh and the rest going, so you got a God. What's his name? I can't pronounce that. Yah, Yah, what is that? And God goes, let me introduce myself. And that's why you see this phrase. Israel's got a God. I don't know where, I think he lives in that tent over there. I don't really know what it's about. Doesn't seem real big. I've never really seen him. Oh, you just hang on. That's what God is saying. I'm going to show you there's no one like me. I'm above all of you. Next passage. Thus, King Solomon excelled all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. So wait a minute. I'm, I'm popping you through the Old Testament. This is a quick run. So this is God's plan working. I'm going to bless you with all the gold and with all the wisdom. What does that mean? He's the richest guy in the earth. He's the smartest guy on the planet. And the whole world's going to come see him. But why? And the whole earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put into his mind. The plan was that they would come and say, we've heard about you. It's unbelievable. Everything we've seen. And we've been sitting here listening to you for hours. Your wisdom is amazing. What's the secret? Can you do a couple of workshops here and teach us how to be as smart as you? And what does Solomon say? No, 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 guys, guys, I'm just like you. I'm actually stupider. You'll see the rest of my life. I only have wisdom because God revealed it to me, because I asked for it. And all this gold and all this stuff, you say, no, 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 this is not us. What do you mean it's not you? No, no, you don't understand. He chose us. He's the one that makes every battle work. You know, we fought Jericho. We circled it three times. Next battle, different. We had to depend on him every day. So this isn't about you. No, it's not about us. It's about Yahweh. Join in. Worship with us. Become a follower. Next passage. Hezekiah, this, this king, this is a high point. He gets it. He's surrounded by enemies in Jerusalem. He, he got this letter from this king. And he went up to the house of the Lord and he spread it before the Lord. And this is a great model when you're in a tough situation. Here's how he prayed. O oh Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned above cherub, you are the God. You alone of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Lord, you're so above any problem, any enemy. They're nothing. Incline your ear, O oh Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O oh Lord, and see. And hear the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to mock the living God. Next passage. Same verse. Truly, O oh Lord, the kings of Syria have laid waste the nations and their lands and have cast their gods into the fire. So that's what they would do when they would defeat a nation. They'd take all their gods, wood, stone, and they'd crack them and throw them into the fire. But they were not gods. 
but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore they were destroyed. Oh, now, oh, Lord, Yahweh, our God, save us, please, from his hand. Why? Why should I save you, Hezekiah? Hezekiah's got it. Look at this perspective. Save us. Well, 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 because remember, we had this great relationship. You love us. We're your favorite. Remember? Apple of your eye. And we're going to all die. You don't want us to die up here on the hill. Now look at his perspective. Save us, please, from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you, O Lord, are God alone. That needs to be our perspective. Everything we do, that your name may be known among the nations. Next passage. Second Chronicles, Solomon said, Likewise, when a foreigner who is not of your people, Israel, comes from a far country for the sake of your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm, look at that, your great name, he's heard about your great name. He's heard about the mighty things you've done and how your outstretched arm, you see that throughout the Old Testament. He, out, he came and saved his people, Israel. He's heard about it. Next slide. When he comes and prays towards this house here in Jerusalem, Lord, hear from heaven your dwelling place and do according to all for which the foreigner calls to you. Lord, answer his prayer. Hear this guy, this foreigner who comes. Wait a minute. We're inviting foreigners to come into Jerusalem? Yes, that's the plan. Come and see in order that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you. You follow it? That's the theme in the Old Testament. Come and see. Come see these people, the laws they're keeping. Learn about sin. What, 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 where is your God? He lives in that tent. So can I go in there? You can't go in there. Why can't you go in there? No, no, there's the Levites. I don't understand. Yeah, well, you're full of sin. I'm full of sin. Sin? What sin? Oh, let me explain it to you. Sit down, man. We're going to teach you. You don't just walk in the presence of God. Really? Really? Well, ours is usually just standing right here, and I can come up and kind of give him a little, you know. Nope. Nope. Why? You're sinful. I'm sinful. Oh, you are sinful. We have rebelled against God. And it becomes a lesson time for the world to learn who God is. Come and see. Next passage. With more than 175 references to the nations, the book of Psalms is basically the greatest missions book ever written. So we could go all afternoon, but we won't, okay? We're going to look at a couple of them. Let's go to a psalm. Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. Be still and know that I am God. We know that verse, don't we? Keep reading. I will be exalted among the nations. Let I will be exalted in the earth. Right? That's what God is saying. My heart is for the nations. This is what I'm after. And the next passage here, Psalm 67. It's the best psalm for this morning. If there's anything you remember, take this one with you. And we've heard it. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. How many of you haven't? Oh, you've all heard that. It's probably one of your phone 
wallpapers, okay? Maybe your grandmother knitted it and stuck it on a wall somewhere, right? It's a great one. We love that. God, be gracious to us. Bless us. Bless our city. Bless our country. Bless our church. Bless me, Lord. Make your face shine upon us. Why, though? Why? I truly believe this is what God wants us to see. Because Israel missed it constantly. Make our country great again. Make Memphis, make me great. Make me succeed. Help us, Lord, to be great. Why? Well, what are we interested in? Whose glory are we interested in? His glory. And look what David, he got it. That your way may be known on earth. Your saving power among the nations. You see, David had no room in his heart for racism and prejudice. He wasn't looking around saying, what are all these foreigners doing here? Why are they moving into Jerusalem? He knew they were coming. This is in the Old Testament, okay? This is how God's plan was. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Next slide. Let the nations be glad, as we just sang, and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. That's the purpose. Keep going. Next passage here. Isaiah. It's too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob. That's too small of a thing. I will give you as a light to the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. You see in the theme, it's throughout the Old Testament. Let's go to another one here. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord, so they will join with the people of Israel to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, and to be his servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast my covenant. Next. These I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. God was constantly trying to remind his people why they were chosen. Next passage. Jeremiah, all the nations of the earth who shall hear of all the good that I do for them and shall fear and tremble. Next. I could just keep going here. But this is, very, this is an important one here. I will vindicate the holiness of my great name. This is God. Which has been profaned among the nations. Which you have profaned among them. Now this is God disciplining his children. He's telling them, you have profaned my name. Remember when these, and you've got all the prophets coming. Why are they coming? Because Israel has sinned against the Lord. And when they sin against the Lord, they profane his name among the nations. God says, no, 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 no. I'm going to vindicate my name. I'm going to discipline you. Why? The nations will know that I am the Lord when through you I vindicate my holiness. You see what the Lord is saying. Either through your obedience I will bless you and you will be prosperous and the world will see who I am or through your disobedience. That's right. Through your disobedience I will judge you 
And this great land I gave you, I'll take you out. No, he won't do that. Yes, yes, I will. Well, we'll go hide in the temple. He won't destroy the temple. He did. You see what the Lord is doing? I'm, this is not about you guys. This is about my name. So I, will, I want the world to know about my name. And Israel just kept thinking, it's about us. He won't take us. He won't take us from the land. He loves us too much. And he loves this temple. I mean, this is Jerusalem. Come on. The Lord said, oh no, you have profaned my name. You're walking in unholiness. And I must show the world who I am. Next passage. Daniel. He does the same thing. He speaks to the nations. Next passage. We could go through every book. Jonah. Look at poor Jonah. And here's a guy who was sent to talk, to speak to an on, to preach to a uh, godless nation, city. And he was like, oh, I don't want these people. I want them to die. God, judge them. Take them out. You ever seen that? You ever looked at a nation? You ever looked at a map and just said, I think we should nuke these people. Take them out. That's Jonah's heart right there. And look what the Lord says. You pity this plant that you didn't even make. It came in night and perished. It came during the day and perished in night. And should not I pity Nineveh, says the Lord, that great city, 120,000 people who don't know their right hand from their left. Do you have no compassion on these people. And you know what Jonah's saying? Nope, I don't. They're our enemy. Enemy. And many of us have to search our hearts when we think about peoples of the world. They're our enemies, us and them. And look at this last phrase. And also much cattle. I mean, come on, Jonah. You want me to kill the cows too? I mean, have you got no compassion here? Just wipe them out and the cows. I love that. That's the Lord talking. Isn't that amazing? Anyway, next passage. Malachi, last book of the Old Testament. Same thing. Name shall be great amongst the nations. We get to the New Testament. Of course, we get to the New Testament. Next passage. We see Jesus. The salvation to all the nations comes to Bethlehem. Next passage. This old man, Simeon, and Luke, he gets it. He took Jesus into his arms. Now you are letting your servant depart in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles. Wow, this old guy got it. When his own, Jesus' own disciples, they didn't really get it. They constantly kept thinking about, when are we going to get our nation going? And when we get things all set up, I'll be on your left, he'll be on his right. We got this, right? And we will get those Romans. Let's take these Romans out. And you know what? How about those Samaritans? Let's go take care of them too. What? All that prejudice that was bitterness, racism that got into their hearts. They're missing God's big picture. Next, you see throughout the, Old, the New Testament, so we go to... The next passage. Well, of course, in Matthew 28, as you go, go make disciples. So what we see in the Old Testament is come and see. Come and see the people so that you may know who God is and believe on his ways and learn about sin and this sacrificial system 
which was a symbol leading us to Jesus. Come and see. New Testament. Is it come and see? Did we build this building so everybody come on and see? No, it's go and tell. Go and tell. Go out as you go. You're all going. I feel like I should go. You're going. You're already going, right? You're all living lives. You're working. You're studying. You're living places. You need to go. As you go, you go out with the gospel to make disciples of all the nations. Next passage. You see it in Mark and Luke. You see this phrase, all the nations. Next. You see in John, when Jesus says, there are other sheep which are not of this fold. That's right. Jesus was talking about it to them. Next passage. Acts, you shall be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Next passage. Well, let's just skip this slide. I'm going to skip these next two. Keep going. We got to get going. Next. Yeah, Paul. Of course, Paul's whole passages. Next. So we get to Galatians, and what do we see? Foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham. Remember the Great Commission in the book of Genesis? In you shall all the nations be blessed. That's how Jesus was a blessing to them. That's why those past, that passage in Genesis 12 unifies the whole Bible. Are you all getting it? I hope this was a great Sunday school lesson for you today, if you haven't figured out the whole thing. You get to Revelation, the last book of the Bible. And they sang a new song, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God, Jesus, from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you've made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on earth. That's the last book of the Bible. So have you seen the theme throughout it, God's heart for the nations? Next passage. So what do we learn from this quick tour of the Bible? Talk about quick. I didn't teach you the whole Bible, but I hope you see a theme. Sometimes it's really helpful just to take a book of the Bible and just read it and try to say, what's the big message, the big picture? Sometimes we like to study every little word. That's important as well. What's the big picture? So I've taken you through a big tour of the Bible here. What have we learned? Next slide. Reaching the nations of the earth, the people groups of all the earth, has always been God's plan A. Remember when I told you when I was in high school, I don't know why I was always hearing about Israel. God loves Israel, these people Israel, Jerusalem, and I just thought, okay, he loves Israel, and he's, and he's loving on Israel, and these are his people. And then I saw them disobeying, and it's as if God said, oh, well, that didn't really work out. Okay, um, I guess it's for everybody now. No, that's not what the Bible is about. Missions doesn't start in the book of Matthew. God's heart for the nations has been there all, all along. When did he take his first initiative? As soon as we got kicked out of the garden, guess who's been pursuing us? What is mission? What is missionary work? Pursuing, taking the gospel to another, across a culture, a language. So this has been on God's heart from the beginning. Amen? That's what we want you to get. Sometimes we think of missions as, um, oh, you're interested in global missions. Yeah, that's the third door on the left. Like, that's just one of those little departments. For those of you that are interested in that sort of thing, 
Let's wipe that out, okay? Nothing wrong with having a missions department. But we're followers of Jesus. We believe in the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. God's heart is on the nations. Why are we into the nations? Because God is. Sometimes people introduce me. This is David Frazier. He has a real heart for the nations. He's a very mission. What? David's got a heart for the nations. What about the rest of us? Well, we're sorry. I'm just from here. What? This is David. He's a missionary. And what are you? i just a dentist, man. I just clean teeth. <laughs> May that not be among us. Do you hear me? So you think we should all go, David? You're already going every day. The nations are here. But what we're talking about this morning is not about vocation. What we're talking about is a mindset, getting your heart right. So let's go. What have we learned? We see a missionary God who is on a mission to gather the peoples of the world. He's on that mission. Are you on that mission? Is that how you read the newspaper, news app, whatever you got? Is that how you look at the world? Is that how you see foreigners? God is a missionary God. Number two, God's ultimate goal is that his name be known and praised among all the peoples of the earth. What do you see when you look out over the world, when you see pictures of people, nations, and you hear statistics? Oh, God, may your name be praised in that place. Or do you go, ooh, that looks hot and sticky. I don't know if I want to go live there. Hey, God loves all these people. Amen? And when he looks out over that, God's heart is broken because they're worshiping all kinds of gods. Next. Worship of God throughout the earth. That's the fuel. That's what we desire. And it's the goal of missional activity. Why did I go live in the Middle East for 20 years? Why am I still in this kind of work? Because they're not worshiping Jesus in that place. You got it? Because there's no worship there. God's name to be renowned on all the earth, to, to the ends of the earth. That's what he's working on. What are you working on? What are you trying to make great? Your career, your hospital, your school, your job. No, you want to make God's name great. Number four, his people, that's us, are his vehicle for fulfilling his mission to reach all the peoples of the earth. So it's us, guys. God could just come out of earth, I mean out of heaven, and just drop a message, send everybody a text. <laughs> Did you ever think about that? This big, big, whoa, what is that in the sky? Whoa, it's written in all languages right there. We're done. But he's using us. We are his vehicle. And number five, let's get personal. I am personally called to be about God's mission to the peoples of the world. That's the message this morning. You're called. No, no, I'm sorry, I'm not a missionary. No, no. You're called to be a follower of Jesus this is basic Christianity. Are you following me? This should be the normal Christian life. We're not allowed to be rednecks, okay, who don't care about the rest of the world. We're not allowed to just wave one flag and say, that's my country. Hey, it's okay to have our country. I love this country. I love my blue passport. But my first passport is where? In heaven. Let's get that straight. Let's get the order straight. I'm a citizen of heaven. Yahweh is my king. 
and he's building a kingdom throughout the whole world. Keep that on top, okay? Then you can be loyal to America, Memphis, UT, whatever your team is, okay? Next, how do you see the peoples of the earth? When Christ looks down upon these people, these massive, when he sees them as people without a shepherd, does your heart have compassion? That's what I'm challenging you about today. How do you see the peoples of the earth? And that's what I want you to consider. Next slide. This is where we're going. So this is the end game. John says, Then I looked, and there before was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Guys, this is where we're going. I don't know about all these cultures and languages and what's that smell, okay? Hey, heaven is multi-ethnic. Get ready for that. Multicultural. I wish, you know, we're all in white robes, but I kind of wish the first couple of days we could all be just like we were on heaven, on earth, and everybody's got their colorful garb, and we smell garlic, and we smell curry, and kimchi, and everything's there. And if that makes you real nervous, <laughs> get ready for heaven. That's where we're going, okay? Okay? That's how crazy it is. And God says, I have, I've designed my whole kingdom to be multinational, okay? Next, so how, does this, what did, how do these truths change my life? as I walk out the door each day, okay? I'm going to finish with these three, and then I'm done. Number one, we want you to have a world Christian mindset. That's what we as followers of Jesus need to have. What does that mean? You recognize this thread throughout Scripture, this global thread, God's heart for the nations. I'm not allowed to be just about me and my people. I've got to be globally minded. I have to see the nations from a biblical perspective. Oh, I see. I have a nation, I love my nation, I love my flag, I love my burgers and my football, okay? Yeah, this kind of football, right? But God loves all of the nations in the world, right? See the nations from a biblical perspective. Nope, go back. And view foreigners among us as Christ did. How do you view foreigners among us? What are they doing here? I don't know about you. Are you going to be like Israelites? You know, who just looked down, man, my street's gone, man. There's all these foreigners from Nineveh. I don't know what they're doing here. Really? Complaining about all these people who've come into Jerusalem. I would love to have Solomon walking down the road, hearing these guys talking. Oh, man, I'm done. My neighborhood's gone. Hey, hey, guys, what do you think's going on here? What do you think this is all about? What do you think Jerusalem was established for? We're the center of the earth. The whole world's coming here. To meet Yahweh. Oh, okay, sorry. We got a little inward focus there. Yes. Number two, a world Christian home. I was up in Chicago and saw this sign, hate has no home here, and it's written in all these languages. I thought it was a cool sign. We become more educated about cultures and religions. That's right. You, why do I have to become? Because you live in a society where the whole world is coming here, and we're Christians. We should be the most culturally intelligent people on the earth. 
Did you hear me? Christians should be the most culturally intelligent people on the earth. That's a little much, Dave. God is. God loves all these different cultures. And we need to learn to speak truth in love when we hear prejudice. What does that mean? Everybody's got a crazy uncle. You go to dinner with him, and he starts talking. And you say, hey, hey, Uncle Billy. Actually, I know some people from that religious group, and they're not all like that. There's some really nice people. Oh, really? Yes. Or when you're at work and you hear somebody make some generalization about it. Hey, 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 hey. That was a little too general, buddy. In love. Do it in love, right? And make your home a place of refuge and love. That's right. That's the kind of homes we want where people feel welcome. And number three, I would say a world Christian lifestyle. What does that look like when you're out in the world working, living, studying? Look around you with Christ's eyes. Jesus came into that town in Samaria. And what were the disciples thinking about? Man, I'm getting hungry. I don't know. That's what he's thinking. That's what they're thinking. And Jesus is looking around, and he sees this woman here. And what do you think the disciples are thinking? We've got to get out of here. Uh, let's get a to-go. I'm gonna, let's, we're going to go in town, grab something, so we can get out of here. And I just love that story when as soon as... Jesus introduces them to this woman at the well, and they go into town and start meeting. They stayed three days. Can't you just see the disciples? I'm sorry, Jesus, we're going to sleep here? Yeah, we're going to sleep here. Oh, okay. Wow. What is he thinking? Ooh, we're in this town of Samaria. Jesus was looking around for the nations. Are you observant to people from other countries? Be intentional to welcome the nations. It's only about, takes about 15 seconds of awkwardness. You introduce yourself. Hey, hi, I'm David. I'm, I'm sorry, I just noticed your family. Are, are you from Memphis? I say, no. Where are you from? We're from Ethiopia. Ethiopia? That's amazing. How long have you been here? Five years. Five years. Well, welcome to Memphis. And you know what? You're probably the first one to say that to them. You are. Welcome to America. We're glad you're here. Don't believe everything you read on or you see in the television. That's what you want to tell them, right? Welcome. We're glad you're here. Okay. That's being intentional to welcome them and step out to engage these internationals. Now, some people asked me in the first service, somebody after said, so David, you just think... If the nations are coming, we should just open the door, open the borders and let everybody in. Of course not. We're not talking about what the government should do today. The government has its laws, right? Secure the borders. Protect the country. That, that's different. I'm talking about what we as followers of Jesus, as the church, what should be our perspective as the nations that are here, that have come. Listen, so many people, if you're a foreigner from another country, you are feeling pretty interesting right now in this country. When all the news says, what are all these people doing here? They're all criminals and things. Guys, what an opportunity for us to be different. I lived in a country, and as, thing, as America became less and less popular, it became more and more difficult. You can ask my kids and my wife, you're like, what changed? Well, you just Sometimes you wish you could just get in and out of a store without somebody looking at you, staring at you, or asking you, where are you from? Where are you from? 
or people looking over going, as soon as you order something, well, he's not from here. Yeah, I know, I'm not from here. Just give me my bread, right? It's difficult. So you may ask yourself, how do we engage these internationals? So good news, last slide here. In a couple of weeks, on September 21st, and Lauren's going to tell you about it, we're going to have Engage the Nations Next Door, a practical training workshop. We're going to talk about who the internationals are here, what are some practical ways to welcome them and get involved, and how to start conversations, things like that. So don't just stop with, um, I don't know how to do that. That sounds too hard. And I want to make sure you understand that I'm not just talking about global missions being going. Sometimes we forget the nations are right here among us. So what about the guy in the cubicle two down? What about the student next to you? Well, I've been on a short-term trip. That's great. Have you even made the short-term trip two cubicles over? to meet the international that you're studying with or working with, right? Missions is right here in Memphis. Let me just close this in prayer. Thanks for hanging with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and it gives us light. We thank you that we can see that you were trying to be very clear to your people Israel. You started right at the beginning with Abraham, and you've shown us that throughout every book of the Bible, we see that your gospel was never intended to be local or for one people, that it was always about the ends of the earth, and that you love the nations. You love all the different cultures of the world. You love the mosaic of God's people. Lord, I pray you'd work in our heart that we as people, each of us as individuals, you would work on us. Lord, we have prejudice. We have racism. We have sometimes an unhealthy nationalism about our own country. Lord, work on us. Work deeply in our hearts that we would be different. Lord, I know you've, you work on my heart every day, and you still are, because I have it in my heart. Lord, I pray that you'd help this change of heart happen and change the way we live every day here. We thank you that you sent your son, Jesus and that that gospel is what's changed our lives, that you came and you pursued us. And we pray all these things in his name. Amen.